You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some Blunt Business with your host. Thanks for being here for another Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. It's very fascinating. And see, one thing I don't let all of you listeners know about this program is that, you know, I never make it a point to, you know, promote myself as the host because I produce the programming here on the network, which it is kind of a little, a, a little anticlimactic to the fact that a producer of all the radio programs here on the network or, you know, along with a production team, a wonderful production team I have behind me. We do these shows, and I just happen to do, host one of the shows myself. And now I get to go ahead and turn the tables once again uh, in our ongoing series to talk to all of our fellow show hosts here on the network to get a feel of what they're doing in their in their areas of the industry. Because you know, there's only so much time in a 30 minute format to learn about what everybody else is doing in their own world. So I have the pleasure to go ahead and talk to my next guest. He's advised governments in Europe. Asia and Latin America on regulatory matters. He also notably worked for, with the government of Peru to draft and adopt the act legalizing cannabis for medical purposes. He founded a company focused on delivering the highest quality supply of medical cannabis to fulfill global demands. He's the host of our weekly cannabis radio series, The Green Peak. I'm joined by founder and member of the board of directors of Plana Global, Richard Zwicky. Richard, thanks for being here. Thanks, Brasco. Great to be here. And, uh, it is fun to be on the other side of the uh, microphone for a change. And to know how long we've known each other. We've only met a couple of times, just a handful. But we go back 15 years. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It is. But the thing is, what's fascinating about it as well, is because of how many people we've met like yourselves that have come into the industry because, you know, I come from a network that we've run since 2004, another podcast network. Uh, called WMR.FM, if you want to look for it, take a look for yourselves. Uh, we, we talked a lot about technology uh, when it came to marketing, digital marketing, and just the whole transition of going from brick and mortar 
to digital marketing, advertising, paid search, organic search, uh, domaining, social media. We were here for the entire rise of social media. And what happens is, you know, when you have the kind of money that you have or the kind of investment you want to put into other alternative areas, other alternative opportunities, we've always, there's always been other areas to go and to grow our business because, you know, the area of talking about search marketing in some cases, search engine marketing is saturated. And, you know, the days of how we had certain things where we had large scale events, those have kind of broken more into boutique type events. So going to the next place where there's a large scale place for leads, large scale place for business, which is why we're over here. So at the time, back in 2006, when we first knew you, Richard, and you were on that network, uh, you had founded a company that built the world's first search analytics platform. So taking that experience and coming, it's kind of the idea of the Silicon Valley making their way into cannabis, this transition, what prompted the change to you? What made you look at the opportunity and say, because there's always the, the, the thought process of, okay, a little bit of hesitation before you jump in. Talk to me about your experience. Absolutely. I mean, there always is some hesitation as you look at different markets. And, you know, <clears throat> I started looking at the uh, medical cannabis market up in Canada, which is where I live, going on seven years or thereabouts now. And... You know, there was a lot of starting to be a lot of activity in the space, but it was still really early. And I didn't, I didn't really understand a lot about it at first. I had, I had a learning curve, but I witnessed a couple of people I knew who were going through dealing with um, chronic illnesses and cannabis was able to alleviate their symptoms and help them manage their conditions. And I knew that it, you know, was beneficial and worked for uh, people who are going through cancer treatments and things like that. And that there was some logic behind that, but I really was ignorant of what else it could do and how else it could be applied to help people. I started digging in and learning more and more and recognized the potential in the space and you know, went from there. And it really came from the perspective of seeing some people I knew really, uh, really well, and was close to, for whom it was transformative. And it was transformative using a topical lotion for nerve damage. It was transformative for somebody who was using uh, tinctures for uh, alleviating um, some issues around uh, Parkinson's. And you know, that showed me there was a really broad spectrum of applications which could make sense. And then, you know, as I started researching and I helped out a couple of really interesting people um, who are in the industry and who have been in the industry who needed help doing analysis from their own market potential uh, perspective or drawing up their business plans and all different sorts of different things, I had the opportunity to learn more and more. And, you know, there was some some people who were really good and helped out and some people who I helped and, you know, that was mutually beneficial along the way. And then I started looking at the economics of the development of the industry in Canada and said, you know, in the long run, it doesn't make sense to continue growing in these hermetically sealed boxes like they do in Canada. And you know, there's still today the cost per gram is 
north of buck 50 us for most producers and really nobody's doing it below a dollar when you factor all in costs and i started looking i want to just jump in on that because i want to bring a little bit more about the canadian market yeah as you're progressing into this in the business but it is fascinating once again We've heard, I, mean, I feel like it felt like if we were about a thousand stories from various mm-hmm. C-level executives and various people that have made their way in and how much of a personal aspect it is from someone that you are familiar with that has brought you into the space. Uh, not only that, the fact that you had somebody that tried a product so early on, and it's, and it's almost somewhat of the infancy of the professional age of the cannabis industry making its way in. As we both, you know, you know, at the time you were looking to make your way in, your inroads into it, you know, our team here was already looking and exploring at the idea. So that yeah. was around that time. Everybody was looking, exploring, okay, what's the, the thing? Do we want to jump in early, but we don't want to get in too early. Now, with the cannabis uh, market what we've gone through here at cannabis radio we've seen the progression of the legalization of canada in canada of the cannabis market and the one thing i noticed more than anything else and, and really like you said the education of just learning and just reading from people just doing this program i've learned so much from just all the different aspects of the industry and it just kind of fascinating i could do a show like this and it's just a sponge and i hope everybody else that listens gets to feel like this is a sponge for them but now for me uh, the Canada market, I said, was always a role model to what every other market, what the U.S. is going to have to go through down the line. But mm-hmm. with Canada and so many different people we had on here on Blunt Business that are Canadian producers, and to see and to hear the stories of struggle they had just to get things started when it does, if it's not the the control board or if it's not uh, you know Health Canada and the things that go behind it, the online issues, you know, just the fact of, of trying to create some decriminalization because people were still getting pulled over for possession things like that in the last couple of years you know one thing i've noticed that you know hey talk about people that are investors being creative finding their way to export to different countries i mean really having to be creative to try to get the amount of supply out to the demand talk to me about what you've seen there in canada and this transition and is there any progress right now yeah you know that's a that's a really good question and there's no simple answer, unfortunately. So, you know, Canada legalized um, and the first producer, and we've had Brent Settle on the uh, Green Peak a couple of times, and he was the first one out there. And he was the f- from 2003 to t- about 2013 or thereabouts. You know, he was the he was the only real one that was producing at scale and really authorized along the way and then it opened up and it could be a little bit earlier in 2013 but you know i'm not good with my date right in front of me but you know the government of canada changed the laws back in uh, the very end of the 1990s and that opened it up and the government came in with a federally regulated system that at least established a national playing field for what was allowed. But at first, doctors were allowed to prescribe for eight conditions, I believe it was. And then it expanded out where today a doctor can prescribe for any condition. But it's federally legalized. Whereas the U.S., yeah, it's behind the curve in some ways. But in other ways, it's racing ahead on a state-by-state basis. The challenge is, and this is the part that you know makes me nervous as an investor, and I, I get in and out on you know, a lot of the cannabis stocks. I've, yeah. you know, been very fortunate over the last few weeks and uh, have, you know, I buy in heavy on something and I've been lucky. 
And, but I've also been cleaning myself off the table as quickly as possible once I see the, the lift, not because I don't believe they're going to keep going, but there's going to be a lot of um, fluctuations. But I look at the, you know, the U.S. market and the states themselves. I mean, you've got states, let's say like Arizona, which just opened up, where there's going right. to be massive potential and upside. Um, and other states which are still closed. But the day it changes federally, everybody's excited for it and says, you know, that's when things are going to kick off and everything else. It's also going to be, a, um, you know, lay devastation to a lot of companies because the interstate trade will be permitted and the cost of production varies dramatically from state to state. And obviously that's going to orient to the lowest cost producers. The U.S. costs are still very high by comparison, you know, what I built in Colombia. Um, you know, I've stepped out of Plana and everything else at this point. So that's a bit of a, an update. But um, I drove it down to uh, around seven cents a gram of production wow. compared to, you know, still over a buck when you put in all-in costs in the U.S. in most places. And, you know, even in California, they're struggling to get, you know, to 70 cents if you actually get through the details. Yeah. Now, that will affect the market because once the market is legal it's all legal it's very hard to keep those national barriers up but also interprovincial interstate you're going to have the federal government is going to impose a federal set of regulations it's you know even with states rights and having variability mm -hmm. and everything else there's going to be guidance and medical and recreational are going to be two different things the medical will have to follow a clear guidance that's standardized across the country you know the hypothesis has always held true if you walk into a pharmacy in new york tokyo or london or los angeles and buy a bottle of aspirin yeah. it has to be the same if you get a prescription from a doctor for penicillin it has to be the same and the same as when we're dealing with medical cannabis it has to be looked at as a medical product and treat it to be the same everywhere. And you only have that yeah. with a federal standardization. Absolute uniformity. Agreed. Right. And, and that's where compliance needs to be something where it's a it's a true set across the board. We've had a lot of people that have talked about compliance and a lot of mm -hmm. regulation here on the program. Yep. And we're hoping, again, the one that all these uh, companies and all these uh, groups have been doing have been trying to go above the set standard being created by each state. But obviously going yes. above and beyond. But there should be some kind of universal standard that comes into play. We just don't know what that's mm -hmm. going to be yet. Now, I want to ask you one yeah. thing, a couple of things I want to unpack. And you know, that's out of what something you said. which that's okay. a that's a question which dives into is compliance is a massive issue, and I know I've fielded a lot of calls over the last few weeks. As you know, a few people have become aware of the fact that I became, you know, I left my day to day role and I'm free to do all sorts of things. And we built yeah. a, really a world class compliance department, which was why we could ship internationally and everybody else was stuck. Um, for people to be able to do that and to put that in place for themselves because that wave is coming in every single market. And that's a tough one. It's no, there's no easy solution. And it's complicated putting in place, but it's so worthwhile because, you know, if you get to be a public company, which some, so many do, it's not just financial compliance, it's product compliance and avoiding all the liability issues which come with that. And even as a private company, right. once it legalizes federally, there's a lot of liability issues which people aren't prepared for, but it's easy to prepare ahead. It's incredibly costly in arrears. Right. Uh, now, oh, go, I want to unpack a couple of things you said just before. <laughs> One of the things you're talking about when it yeah. comes to stocks, I'm reading right now, uh, Reuters is reporting that the Reddit stock people are starting to look into cannabis stocks. They're going to start putting the hype in. Yeah, I saw Already, that. Already, <laughs> Tilray and Afria, start bet, placing your bets. 
Oh my God. Hey, it's I, I got in on a couple over the last few days. Yeah. I made 30 points and I got out because, you know, yes, the, you know, the Reddit crowd is doing a phenomenal, uh, effect on the markets as a whole yeah. in terms of, you know, creating, you know, a, a really fresh set of eyes and look at it, but also the way the market is moving, that is in that instability is opportunity for a lot of people as well. It's tough on the companies. It's also opportunity because they're going to be able to, you know, the ones who need funding can close around quickly at good terms. And yeah. it's healthy because the industry needs that. But, you know, as the money moves around, I'm hoping people are making educated uh, placements and not just wild bats. Yes, please. Not on hype. Please do your, your stock trading on research alone. I, I totally yeah. agree with you on that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention also, you mentioned Brett Zettel and that he's a president and CEO of Zias. So one of the things that's most important about what he's doing is not just his work, uh, you know, being the veteran in the medical cannabis industry, but also his work in research because he's doing clinical trials now in Saskatoon. And that's been going on for a while now, almost coming up on a year. That's also very important. Anybody that's doing research to go ahead and further the case of, of the plant is what we're looking at as well. Uh, I want to ask yeah, you a few you know, more questions for uh, people oh, from psilocybin, yeah. which you know people are also looking at. And you know, if I look at that space, it's where cannabis was six years ago in terms of the speculative side of the the market. But on the other side, the research is permitted and allowed, which cannabis hasn't been able to do because of the U.S. federal regulatory framework. So psilocybin is going to have a completely different trajectory. But for the next, you know two years it's also going to be amazingly speculative and people will be driving the stocks of the public companies that get involved in the space around like crazy just like they did with cannabis and for those who are listening in that i know this episode will probably go come out probably in march or early april uh so david nakezad who was with a ceo of ei ventures talked specifically to you on the green peak about psilocybin so I want to make sure people are going to point out to that program. A lot of different episodes, almost 60 episodes so far of the Green Peak. You should actually go and check out every one of them. Binge through it as soon as you can. CannabisRio.com, of course, proning ourselves. We've got to go to commercial break. I want to ask you about uh, a little more about your about your expertise consulting with your tech experience leading into what we're going into now. And I want to talk about your work yeah, in, sure. in Latin America and talk about that market after a short break. I'm again here with Richard Zwicky, founder of Planet Global here on Blunt Business, back after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm here with Richard Zwicky founder of Planet Global and the host of The Green Peak here on CanvasRadio.com. 
So one question I'm going to ask before the break. Uh, cannabis and hemp, Richard, are being integrated with sophisticated digital platforms that educate, inform, and drive decisions for millions of consumers and businesses on everything from genetics and grow nutrients to strains and dispensary locations. And we've talked to a number of those people that are doing technology on that end. Talk to me why there is such an appeal for tech leaders and for, for the technology that's coming in to embark into the industry. Because we've seen a lot of it come in. Yeah, We've seen a lot of it come in, and a lot of it is still incredibly immature. Look, this is a this is an industry which um, existed in the shadows for many years, and now. Well, Richard, you know, do you it's think it's because they, do you think that's because there might be those that feel like the adoption of some of these of this technology there would be a long learning curve, and there's a, really an un, a, a, a misunderstanding, or un, uh, what's the word we're looking for, you know. Uh, the worst i can't think about it but it's like well kind of you know at a simplistic level worldwide this was a craft industry until less than a decade ago right there was no industrial scale producers Mm -hmm. and today there are that brings different demands and needs also there were companies couldn't service entities in the industry outside of canada and uruguay and a couple of other jurisdictions you know even eight years ago or five years ago for that matter and when you talk about industrial just look at canada and the millions of dollars they spent on facilities up there just the space they're taking up yeah you know i mean uh, uh, there's a firm i know in canada and it's been sold and everybody made you know a really nice return on it they spent and they spent to build a you know a a high quality facility um, it cost $100 million to build 100,000 square feet of, of uh, production. That was the grow and the laboratory. I, you know, when I built in Colombia, we built about 500,000 square feet and have another uh, 2.5 million more production space we can bring online um, for a fraction of that. But, you know, that's a change from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. In Canada, you'd still be spending that kind of money but you know that that's industrial scale right it's not the thousand even five thousand square foot rooms or you know some people you know ten thousand that's great that's um, an incredible achievement and it can be incredibly economically valuable and fantastic roi and nobody should sneer at it at all in fact that's where the growth is going to come from in many ways as those companies move up and up but the large the true large-scale producers that in the hundreds of thousands of square feet of production space have different demands and when you need to keep track of every single plant and its life cycle, that's a data management issue. Now, you know, I looked at it, I come from an analytics background, um, a general software, but I've always seemed to always orient into analytics and, you know, the patents I wrote and everything else deal with mostly with analytics related uh, things. And it really, in marketing, it became a question of people want to have software that tells them, what do I do next? And that's a complicated question and when you're dealing with plants you have so many variables right if in data if you have 11 different variables to deal with so factors so you know sun intensity of the sun hours of the sun precipitation humidity all those things are an individual factor 11 factors which is nothing for a plant gives you 2.6 billion different combinations that you'd have to measure against and understand to make a decision and so with, uh, you know, from a cannabis perspective, and this is true of any agriculture, you've got a provenance tracking 
issue, which is can be applied from other industries, but you need specific specificity with regards to local regulatory uh, information um, that goes a little bit further. Then you've got a plant management issue, which is, you know, uh, quite something where you need to optimize your crops depending on the seasonality and all of the environmental factors. And that takes a couple of years to develop enough baselines and trend lines to make educated decisions. So, you know, when I came at this industry, one of the things I recognized was, you know, what eventually shaving one penny off production costs is going to be a massive change in your margin. And the only way we'd get there is through technology. So part of what I, you know, have in my partly developed and part that I've still got that I look at as to the future is developing the rest of that platform uh, with regards to that data analysis, but also streamlining it. So, you know, we've got, you've got thousands of craft producers in the States and craft producers are, you know, anything, let's say under 10,000 square foot, just as a generic uh, reference term, doesn't yeah. mean, it's, you know, some of the best beer producers are craft producers. So of it's course. not a slate yeah. in any way. Um, it's just a, a size designation. You it's know, just a lot of they, small business owners looking to make a break. Yeah. But you know, in the, in these industries, people want to know when they put the crop in the ground that it's sold not harvest and then figure out what do I do now and that's really where I get interested and there's a software platform that will make sense for that and it allows a, a level of standardization and compliance and transparency and that's transparency is incredibly important to anybody who participates in the ecosystem right because it doesn't matter your bank needs to have transparency your lawyers need transparency your investors want the transparency. Everybody wants it. It's not always easy, but it's the more you're able to work with, the better off you are. One of the guests we had on recently, uh, who's with Tara Vera, uh, Carlos Perea, uh, he actually mm -hmm. talked about the fact about also the other issue that with the solutions they have about, you know, the operators could experience a yield loss of up to 30% due to biological contaminants. The issues of where you need technology in place, not only just to go ahead and it really to organize for organization, not just a software as a service, just to go ahead and keep, you know, uh, from sea to sale operations that are, are up to snuff. Your pricing is correct, and yep. all your inventory is in place. There's just so much here, and I think just some people would just feel like, and this is where just you know, you see some of the leadership that comes into the space, the corporate leadership, the C level executives that are coming in, Fortune 1000 companies that understand these things. And again, I think it's just a process where the technology will be catching up to the industry. And then the people that are coming in, they're going to say, well, no, we need something much more advanced, much more uh, streamlined, something that's much more that's going to be better adopted for what's going on and take some of what's done in traditional agriculture and imply it here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you touched on the 30 percent crop loss and it used to be in Canada it was around 40 percent. That's amazing. Yeah. And. It's, you know, we, it's outrageous, but it's a, it's a factor because of the conditions under which people uh, have to grow the plant in hermetically sealed rooms. When they don't prepare properly for that situation, because people rush through trying to get to production and they know it's a high value crop, so they don't worry about that margin loss because it's factored in. But over time, you can't afford to lose 30 or 40% because you're not going to have the margin, you know, that you do today. And 
I, I know I've, you know, I shake my head looking at it because if you go about it right, set it up and just take that little bit extra time, but just plan it out, you can avoid that because, you know, biological loss, you know, we haven't had to deal with any. And it's, yeah. you know, it's not like there's no pests around where we are. It's just you plan differently. Also, you know, medical people don't recognize um, as a much higher standard than organic. It is, you know, from a pharmaceutical perspective, you can't have those impurities that uh, organic still allows because organic allows 30 different chemicals to be used on a plant, right, which gets consumed. Cannabis is much more tightly regulated and the standards are much higher. Um, you know, microbutanol, which is allowed on tobacco, you're allowed to have 60 parts per million uh, in tobacco for smokables. Yeah. But in cannabis, it's 60 parts per billion in terms mm. of what's allowed. So, you know, that stringency has to be thought through um, right from the start. And that's the business challenge, which, you know, gets overlooked by so many because you're getting to the finish and you know how to do things from one perspective. But are you future-proofing your business by planning in for what it needs to be, not just what it is today, because it's still a mad gold rush in the markets that are opening up? Yeah, it's a, it's a mad, it's a point of proactivity that has to be brought up. I want to talk about Latin America next here. Benzinga reported last fall, they put a pretty comprehensive report called the Cannabis Markets in Latin America. And they said this, quote, while many countries in Latin America have passed some kind of cannabis legalization that hasn't yet translate, translated into active markets in the region, especially true for five of the six, six countries that make up 80% of the region's gross domestic product. That's Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Mexico, and Peru. Colombia, which uh, is the only example from a group that has a domestic market that's gaining some momentum. You would think with what's going on there, and especially with the kind of outdoor grow you could do in that market. Uh, Planet Global is headquartered in Colombia. Talk to me about the obstacles. You've been down there quite a bit yourself, uh, working on the area and what you've been working on there. The obstacles and opportunities that lie in LATAM for those looking to make a heavy investment in this expanding market. Is is the market ready to go ahead and take the influx of investors and cash and resources? Yeah, you know, it's that's a really good question again. And there's, there's different parts to the answer. Um, the Colombian people and, you know, are phenomenal workers and they're incredibly well-educated and deliver, you know, amazing value. And I'm really fortunate to have a chance to work with so mm-hmm. many of them. The bureaucracy is incredible and they've got a, you know, a different legal system than we do um, here, which is all precedent-based. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things Colombia did commit to and was, you know, shared with us along the way was, you know, there was the opening of the markets as far as the um, exports to a uh, unfettered rights, basically the, aligned with what would be allowed under the UN treaties from 61. And, you know, so flour would have been able to be involved and we were promised, you know, last February that it was coming. And from an extract perspective, uh, there shouldn't have been any limits. But unfortunately, you know, somebody interpreted the laws differently and it became the precedent. And exports have been incredibly challenging. We had to, you know, we've had to work through and I spent, I don't know how much time working with our team down there, getting government authorizations that allowed us to ship extracts that had over 1%, uh, 0.2% THC 
because one of the challenges, <clears throat> and then also 1% and different ones up to, I think about three and a half and 5%, um, because the government said, you know, psychoactive plants are one, below 1% and non-psych, um, sorry, psychoactive plants are 1% and higher and non-psychoactive below 1%. And when you extract a non-psychoactive plant, your concentration of psychoactives increases and they decided that was no longer acceptable, even though it complied with the, the laws. So it really made it difficult. The day Colombia opens up the allowance to allow the producers who are all licensed for psychoactive and non-psychoactive materials mm -hmm. to actually export without limitation, that becomes the most valuable production space in the world today. And that's because, you know, there's been hundreds of millions of dollars invested into a number of companies and you know there's ourselves and clever leaves and mm -hmm. and um you know pharmaciello and to a lesser degree avicana that have large-scale productions and then there's companies like chiron which have a limited production but the you know pharmaceutical distribution so that's a bit of a different uh area but companies like the the ones i mentioned can immediately start supplying the world without restriction Wow. at you know a tenth of a cost of what companies are paying today for local production and then the ip value you know and the patients are able to get that value now then peru where i spent a lot of time uh, helping the government work on the law and developing their whole regulatory framework mm -hmm. you know that's going to be a, a different opportunity and peru is very interesting in terms of you know they they started the whole approach for medical cannabis and when I got involved there was the president at the time, uh, Pedro Pablo Kaczynski, PPK, as he was known, um, had seen mothers arrested for making medicines for their kids uh, for epilepsy oh. because they couldn't afford the standard pharmaceuticals, right? Yeah. The, the country is poor and they just couldn't, the people couldn't afford to pay um, as much as the pharmaceuticals cost. So their kids were suffering and they were looking for solutions. And, you know, I worked with... Um, him and and with the various uh, Congress people, and we ended up drafting a, a bill that passed and got it through. And it was really how do we stop mothers getting thrown in jail and building a a, a system wow. that allows people to access affordable medication? And it also opened up an industry. Now Peru has been incredibly slow moving from the perspective of getting the regulatory framework fully adopted, but it was incredibly thorough and thought through so that industries that developed and companies that develop have a clear path to market and can market and sell. And, you know, we're already selling in Peru and the restrictions, once you've got the product are very transparent, very simple exports will be strong and production costs from Peru. If you go about it, right. will probably cut, you know, the first, it won't be on the first crop, but I've modeled it out and, you know, we targeted seven cents in, we actually targeted 10 in Colombia and got to seven. Um, I, from what I know and having done everything, you know, if I were to start over in Peru, we'd be able to target three cents within about 18 months of production of actually starting up. Um, and that's the reason. advantage. That's, that's, it that's, is. that's anything and everything of why people are, are banking, hopefully, for this industry. So it's great that the infiltration, that you've already made your way into that space. It's just a matter of because of the fact of, of any other place, you know, 
this these countries are going are going to be so reliant upon what kind of money can be brought in for this and and obviously the the appeal of the cost per per gram is wonderful i mean just and the cost of, of just everything down there is beneficial yes. that's why and you, the thing that has to happen yeah. you know it's it has to be smart money it's and that, by right. that is it has to be money with existing international expertise to understand what can be done with the product afterwards because there's a bunch of people who are looking to produce but they don't know how to sell internationally they don't know how to move the product and they don't understand all of the international regulatory hurdles that are coming that are in place that need to be dealt with and i know i've you know i'm speaking to a number of groups that are asking me questions about peru and i'm trying to figure out you know what i'll do there um it is quite honestly the best opportunity in the marketplace globally because you know we took the time to set up the regulatory framework properly to avoid you know a lot of the flipping of licenses so the speculation but drive to real businesses quickly and the environment there both politically economically and also the climate um, the climate itself is unbeatable right for production worldwide i mean it you know where colombia has a lot of great opportunities and advantages peru i've looked at you know i've looked at territories around the world there are a few properties i've looked at in peru that blow everything else out of the water and you know low cost to develop very low cost yeah but you know it's nature's greenhouse i refer to it as because it literally is uh, unbeatable and there's a reason that you know most of the blue the largest blueberry and avocado and asparagus production in the world come from peru and though you know those weren't really markets they were uh, producing 10 years ago so all about a long play this is literally it's just a long mm-hmm. play to get to this point but again this i i agree with you this will pay off and what's interesting oh, yeah. is also in the media that i had to do just to prepare for this episode just on latam there's so little that's reported on it i've only gotten to talk about it on the program a handful of times but mm-hmm. i know that market's going to be something huge and someday yeah. And it's, you know, it is, you know, that is an area that is agriculturally so productive for the world. Yeah. And this is just another crop with, you know, some specialization. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, a, but it is a controlled goods crop. So you've got a, I always tell people it's an agricultural production to a pharmaceutical standard and you need to marry those two uh, worlds together to be effective. And it's not, you know, it's not having the best master grower. That's an incredibly valuable person. But you need, you know, an agronomist. You need the agricultural production experts, not just the cannabis expert. You now, need all of that. And I want to then take you a, need everything else. I want to take us to another commercial break. And I want to continue talking about Latin America. But I also want to go and then turn it around on the fact that it's not just the production that can be done down here. There's a lot of consumers that can also be best served by the products that are being done in North America and Canada. I want to ask you about import-export coming up after a short break. Again, I'm here with Richard Zwicky, founder of Plena Global. And the website is Plena, P-L-E-N-A dot global. And he's also the host of the Green Peak, which is uh, heard here every week. Find new episodes of your week here on CannabisRadio.com. 
great content. We'll kind of give you a little preview of what you've been missing. If you haven't been subscribed to yet, we'll give you a great reason to coming up after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Back with final questions with Richard Zwicky. Founder of Planet Global, host of the Green Peak here on CannabisRadio.com. And before I get back to Richard and last questions, listen, we've done some great work on the program. November 2019 is when we launched, and we've put some great guests on the air with us. Uh, Steve D'Angelo is one of those featured guests. Brett Zettel, we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. We've talked about various areas on the program. By all means, if you have not subscribed to this show, you know, it, don't be intimidated by the fact that we're talking about Latin America. We're talking about sometimes about financials, venture capital in some cases. Uh, there's just so much information to be had. It should be the tool that helps you export to other areas of the financial sector, of the production sector, the cultivation sector, all across. And not just looking only in the U.S. waiting for legalization. No, look at other markets. That's what you want to be able to do, if you're, especially if you're going to be diversifying, not just as an investor, but as an entrepreneur. If you're coming into this space, look at all avenues of potential revenue and areas where you can produce, grow, and really build something great. So that's what I want to leave you with that. Green Peak, of course, again, and this is where you can find all your podcasts. Remember, on the major podcast portals, Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all the platforms, but especially you can also find it right here at CannabisRadio.com, where you find all of our programming. So, Richard, another thing I want to take from the Benzinga article we talked about before the break. North American countries present a valuable opportunity in terms of export potential for the proximity Uh within the region of market size. No question. With everything else we do in Latin America, there should be no question why there's not an export, uh, some kind of a trade pipeline coming down there. So... Given federal restrictions, though, the U.S. can only import CBD products or pharmaceutical-grade THC products approved by the FDA. However, the current commoditization of CBD occurring in the country could turn out disadvantageous for Latin American exporters. So talk about the issue with the, about any import-export. And especially, I know we talked about how Canada, I've been calling it, has been the OPEC of cannabis right now. They are pushing to Europe. They are pushing to Australia. Are they doing the same thing with Latin America? Yeah, you know, um, there are some Canadian companies who have exported to uh, LATAM. I mean, Canopy's had a, um, a fair bit of work down there through Spectrum, um, shipping into Chile originally, but other places as well. And, you know, that's interesting. I mean, the U.S. market is obviously always on people's minds. Uh, the European market is larger. 
and on some ways is more accessible, but on other ways, you know, this year alone, we've gone through four different regulatory framework changes in terms of what's, how cannabis is going to be treated. And that's been incredibly difficult um, from a regulatory perspective. By the same token, you know, people shouldn't overlook the domestic market in LATAM on its own. Uh, Colombia is a population of 52 million people, and there's a lot. There's a large middle and uh, upper class of, or you know, high net worth individuals and people who can afford, who do go out and spend, and um, have a lot of disposable income. Peru's smaller; it's 37 million people, or uh, 33 million people. So, apologies. Still, a very large percentage. You know, even if you have a, a million or two million people who will regularly procure. Um, cannabis-related products, that's a decent market. It's bigger than most states have as a disposable market. You get to Brazil, with, uh, which is a population, you know, approximately in the neighborhood of the U.S. anyhow, and you've got a very large population that is coming online uh, later this year. Uh, I know that, you know, there's products being shipped in for distribution in uh, March, and that's right around the corner. These are substantial markets that actually dwarf the U.S. when combined. And if you look at it, you're dealing with, you know, a dozen countries, less than that, in fact, with a population that probably is going to, you know, one and a half or more times the U.S. In some cases, like Argentina, the government pays for your prescriptions, so it's a very straightforward transaction. Um, the economics are very simple. That Those are accessible marketplaces that are meaningful. And so a distribution strategy that includes LATAM is key. So, you know, it's not just a producing region, it's also a consumer region. Obviously, um, you know, they're not gonna continue to pay $40 for a bottle of tincture, uh, you know, that they've been, that they were being charged for a tiny amount of product. Um, It's going to become more reasonable, but that's okay the domestic sales can be enough to cover the operations of the business and your yeah. production. You know, everything you ship for export becomes pure profit. There's a, there is a massive upside. It's been, you know, hampered by the regulatory delays, but you know, the, the, especially with Peru coming online and that's where, you know, it gets going to be a game changer. These, uh, that market really is going to end up being the one that, drives world growth and it's you know a lot of the u.s companies and the focus will be just like in so much else i mean coca-cola doesn't uh, process or grow any of the sugar in the u.s anymore no more than starbucks produces the coffee beans yeah it's from around the world that final consumer product the brand um, all of that is going to be done in the domestic markets you know in, in the u.s in canada in the uk across the european union but the supply is going to come from you know, LATAM predominantly, there will be some production in Africa and other places, but, uh, you know, that's, that's still a ways off in some of those other jurisdictions. But from a LATAM perspective, you know, you've got the opportunity now with the scale that's available also for a company like Coca-Cola to look at not just doing a consumer product as a test, but know if they need, you know, 10,000 kilos of CBD this year they can have a stable supply and not have to worry about it. Richard, we're about to go and run out of time. Really appreciate you making time to go and talk to us. Just giving all this input. Like I said, we don't have enough time in your in the Green Peak show to go ahead and let you 
put your own input into it in 30 minutes every week, but we get bits of it every bit so often. But what I want to know is just uh, just the overall commentary about, you know, some of the guests you've had on the Green Peak and what you've uh what you really have absorbed and what you've gained. Cause like I said, from this program, I get so much from what's going on. What are some of the real positive highlights you see from the people we've spoken to uh, that we've gotten to work together and interviewed on the green peak that you've hosted? Yeah. I mean, there's some, you know, there's some phenomenal guests we've spoken with and every week I get the opportunity to learn just like everybody else. And, you know, a lot of the questions I ask, some are, some are general education and some are things that I want to learn about or know about, or just really, bring to the forefront and there's been just a, a phenomenal range of guests who have dealt with you know domestic U.S. issues and international issues um, and there's no shortage of uh, ones I could point to but you know and, and I look at look at it and you know I'm getting more and more calls around people having more and more questions and looking for advice and consulting and that's phenomenal um, we're doing this show now and I, you know, and I hope I'm not like a fire hose with information because I'm really trying not to be. There is just so much that's been experienced over the last few years in developing this industry, but also, you know, we've in like in this segment alone, we've hardly touched on uh, the real compliance issues or how to, how to really refine the cost models from a production perspective um, or, you know, even the sales outlets and channels and what are the, what are the challenges and functions people have? Those are topics we have covered to an extent in the green peak, yeah. but it changes constantly. And, uh, you know, I love hearing from people who are looking at, uh, problems in their business and looking for solutions and also people looking to explore some of the opportunities. I mean, I'm looking at some of the Peruvian opportunities and I'm thinking about what, needs to happen and what should happen and you know as the time comes and i'll probably get involved in something there uh, and by the way one of, one of the interviews i want to point out was dr sylvia Pesa, who was former minister of health at peru wonderful lady that information was really quality because of what we got from that and the struggle that was going on down there as well oh and you know the the work she's done over the years not just in cannabis but yeah. across the full range of medical spectrum i mean she is a an amazing person yeah. So we also had, what was it, Hunter Land from Cannabis Growth talking about cannabinoid, re cannabinoid, cannabinoid research. Yep. Uh, we had uh, Jose Basilar, or we had a lot of people that we, we met uh, mm -hmm. as part of the, the Bazinga conferences, which you got to go and frequent quite a few of those and spoke of a few of those. And unfortunately, yep. we haven't had a chance to talk much about what's going on there. And uh, get, oh, we had Barrington Miller from the Canadian Securities Exchange, which also was really mm -hmm. great. A lot, and, and then also when it came to people just in the in the uh, in the venture investment VC sector, Vanguard, Scientific, or if we had a uh, trying to go back in the list of what I had here, uh, New Lake Capital Partners, Anthony Coniglio, and others, people uh -huh. like that, really just fascinating. And again, just so much to be said. Uh, with the CBD Association bringing them on board, it's yep. been a trove of just different voices coming in. But again, it's just that I like of also what we've had, we've kind of been, it's been fact finding a lot of it. And we're trying, we also, each of the conversations we've tried to limit to very specific areas so that the listener is able to have a takeaway that's meaningful, impactful. I mean, if you're going to spend 30 minutes listening to a podcast and you're in the industry, you want to be able to walk away from the, the show and 
have something you can use, right? You, it's actually, I've learned something and now I'm going to apply it. Yeah. And try and make sure that every week there's something that people have that they can take away and apply into their business. Or, you know, come back to that famous question, tell me what to do next. Tell me what question I need to ask in my business to improve is the other half of that, right? And that's where, you know, the worst thing is when people don't know. They don't have, they're unable to, and they need help. Yeah. And by the way, people needing help, Richard, they should come reach out to you. Because let me tell you, of all these years, you've been a lot of insight, a lot of experience, education. You've taught me quite a bit when it comes to just from what we've learned on the show. You've helped me on the stock tips, which I appreciate as well. So, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> some of the other things were, um, it's just a lot of wealth of knowledge. And obviously, I just think that now, obviously, you're making your transition uh, from Planet Global to your next venture. Consulting is something you could definitely do for a lot of people out there. A lot of your experience in Latin America, just from listening today on this program, you should absolutely reach out to Richard and find out what the opportunities lie in Latin America because he has the know-how. He's been entrenched in that market for a long time in Peru and Colombia and others. Uh, real quickly, before we wrap things up, please talk to our listeners how they can reach out to you uh, going forward so they can go ahead and, and see if there's something that you can help them with. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, Brasco. I mean, it's uh, it's been a phenomenal journey all along the way, and yeah. we're still at the start. And yeah, the in-depth knowledge of the LATAM market is incredible, and the European opportunities and things I've dealt with there as well. And of course, in Canada, I've it's been something else to deal with so many of the global issues. And, you know, for anybody who's looking, uh, needs help, needs advice or consulting along the way, reach out. Uh, the best is going to be my, you know, I'll give you my Gmail address for now. It's rzwicky at gmail.com. Um, that's the simplest and easiest to reach me at any point. And, uh, and by the way, that's spelled R-Z-W-I. Okay, let's spell that out, please, yeah. Yeah, R uh, Z as for the U.S. Z for Canadians. So uh, R Z W I C K Y at gmail dot com is the simplest way to reach me uh, for any of the consulting uh, related work or questions or queries or you know just bouncing an idea off. You've got to, you're trying to tackle something in the industry and need some advice. So I I do tons of calls, which uh, I just give people help. Because I, yeah. I want to see everybody succeed. That's uh, mentoring and helping. You know, one of the biggest, most important things I've always looked at is you build a team that is rock rock solid, but you have to be able to ask the questions to be able to get there. And I'm always happy to help people succeed along the way. And in the it's meantime, you know, before we first started, uh, you were still doing a lot of traveling, for quite a bit, doing a lot of speaking engagements and, and traveling to Latin America on a regular basis. We're all still grounded, yeah. unfortunately, because <laughs> of the pandemic, but hopefully that'll change pretty soon. We're starting to work our way there. If everybody gets vaccinated, they can kind of move along with their lives. That'll uh, be so nice. Yeah, absolutely. Richard, as a whole. can I tell you, you know, I'm glad that, you know, when we first came to the cannabis industry ourselves, 2015, or even back to 2014, and knowing that, you know, we have people like you, that we're also brothers in arms joining in this industry that we have, you know, as a coalition to work together on, you know, getting the word out there. Really glad we had a chance to have been doing this, uh, the Green Peak together for all these years. And, you know, glad to consider you a friend and a, and a mentor. Thank you for being on Blunt Business today. And uh, that's, we'll, we'll continue doing our stuff on the Green Peak going forward. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Brasco. I'm collaborating you with you has been a, a phenomenal experience. So listeners are your listeners are 
lucky to have you uh, with the information you bring forward on a constant basis. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, the same sentiments to you. Uh, we're going to go and leave it there, folks. Again, the Green Peak. Find it every week. CannabisRadio.com. Subscribe to the show. I, I just don't say that. We put a lot of effort into all this programming, and I'm telling you, the Green Peak is one of the shows you absolutely need to put on your radar. Binge. It's not that hard for you to go and listen to all these episodes. Go back and listen to all the content we put up together. It's been well thought up, well produced, and great information being had. Um, listeners, thanks for listening in to another edition of Blunt Business. You know where to find the show. Come back for another episode next week. We'll talk to you next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.